Hi readers, hi writers, welcome to The Write-Up. Um, this is First Publishing's podcast on all things writery. I'm Rob Wickings. And I'm Rob Maythorn. And we're going to be talking tonight about something called In Media Res. Before we kick it off, I thought it was worth just sort of talking about who we are and why we're doing this podcast. So, Rob, who are you? Who am I? Uh, my name is Rob Wickings. I'm, uh, I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster, uh, funnily enough, as, as I'm here on the podcast. Um, I have written uh, one novel that's been released through Verse Publishing, uh, the Z-grade horror, nasty um, Satan Schoolgirls. Um, I have a second novel coming out also through Verse Publishing in the next few weeks entitled Pirates of the Moon, which is a whole different kind of a deal. It's um, it's young adult science fiction with um, a fun twist and a lead character that I think is really interesting. I'd agree with all those things. Uh, I, I'm Rob Maythorn. I don't like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a podcaster and I am the editor of uh, Verse Publishing. So I kind of oversee all the businessy stuff, um, but also through my job, I read a lot. Um, I see a lot of, sort of first drafts with a lot of authors. So uh, I end up with a, a good sense of uh, what makes a book work, even if Rob comes in with the knowledge of how to write things. That's it. It's it's, it's kind of a, a, a we're kind of a double-headed beast here at Verse. Um, I'm but I'm I, I'm the heart and uh, Rob's the soul or the other way round, depending on what, what day of the week it is. Uh, but uh, I wasn't sure where you're going with that one. But uh, what are you on? <laughs> so this week I'm going to go. Ahead, week, sorry. This week we're going to be talking about in media's res, and so just to give us a quick definition of what this is, essentially it's Latin for in the middle of things, and this is a technique used by authors and writers of all of all walks of life. Basically, we start the story in the middle. Now, it could be the middle of your story or the middle of another story, but you don't have a traditional inc- uh, sort of, um, opening of this is the world, this is who people are. You start them slap in the middle of the action. Now, um, a lot of screenwriters use in media res as a great way of getting you getting their, their, their audience right bang slap in the middle of the action immediately. So... A very good example of that um, that's just been released in the cinemas, actually, is Avengers Age of Ultron, which Mm. starts pretty much in the middle of a pitched battle between the Avengers and Hydra um, to attack a castle, basically. But there's no sense of lead up. You don't get any sense of explanation as to why you're here, why the Avengers are here, what they're doing. It's basically bang and you're into the middle of a fight. I think another great example of this uh, in sort of popular media is James Bond. James Bonds are renowned for Emirates in that every single one of them opens at the end of another mission. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even if they work as a kind of teaser to the to the to the story that continues after after the, the beginning credits it's certainly a case of you're lured in by the sense of there being something something else there that you don't know about so always works in, in a lot of ways a lot of people say that those beginning sequences are often the best bits of the bond yes yeah i think they i think from an editorial point of view uh, the immediate res works sort of a dual focus one of which as as rob says it grabs you early you're straight into the action. And in films and in books, action is very much something you can get the blood going, you're drawn into it. So it's 
a great way of doing that. But secondly, from an author's point of view and a reader's point of view, it should help set up what kind of book this is going to be. Mm. So that if, if you open an action scene, you're telling the reader this is going to be an action book. Yes. You start in the middle of a romantic scene. However, funny, you're telling them this is going to be a romance book. And it's a great way to, almost in a complete nutshell, get down what your book is about for that reader. Yeah. One thing you can also do within Media Res um, is to kind of use it as almost as a prequel, if you like. You can you can start in the middle of something and then sort of go back in your, later in the story and kind of fill in the gaps as to... Um, what's been happening up to that point. So it's, it's almost like if you imagine stories having blocks, it's almost like you, what you, you must start off with the end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3 turnaround, if you like. Yes. Um, yeah, a great example of that is a movie that I think is just out in the UK called John Wick, which is the Keanu Reeves action thriller, which actually starts with your character John Wick, um, bloodied, bowed, limping his way to his car, um, basically on the on the verge of collapse, and then you go back three days, and everything onwards from that point is kind of leading up to the moment that you basically open the movie with, and there are all sorts of examples of that. <laughs> I think that this this is a sort of a technique that dates back an awfully long way, um, and famously. The Iliad, which is one of the earliest epic novels, starts in year nine of a ten-year siege. <laughs> so it doesn't get much earlier than that, um, or in media res. Exactly. I mean, there are obviously, given the Iliad was sort of told in a, in a verbal tradition originally, hmm. um, there was that everyone kind of knew all that prequelness. But that, it's a, if you read it now, it starts at the end of what you feel like in the whole of the story. Um, another great example uh, I was thinking of in in books is uh, Slaughterhouse Five, hmm. which yes. jumps around quite a lot in the story. I think that there are sort of, there's two almost two subcategories of immediate reds. As Rob said, there in John Wick, that's taking you the middle of your story and putting it at the front. Yeah, and this is a great, a very popular um, technique in TV writing. A lot of TV episodes will start with a shocking scene and then cut back to it. The other one, which is much more I said the Bond technique, is where you have almost a self-contained prequel that, that you'll then come down the line. They're both kind of um, sort of two options to that. If mm. you see what I'm saying. I think they're both useful and both techniques to look upon, but understand which one you're trying to do because they both have different uses in a book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... The thing with some of the Bond stories is that those little sort of prequels can go ahead and inform what happens in the story, mm. or they could have absolutely nothing to do with what goes on afterwards. But they, they still kind of work in and of themselves. And that's kind of part of that tradition that Bond set up over the years. But I think there's the one thing you have to be careful of in, in media res is, is just to make sure that you don't completely confuse your audience straight off the bat and yes. try and do something that you're not intending, which which can be a bit of a problem just just in terms of clarity of storytelling. It's all well and good sort of throwing someone right back up in the middle of the action, but if you don't give them some sort of notion of where they're supposed to be heading, mm. um, 
you've lost them, basically. Any good examples of where you think it kind of didn't work? Uh, I'm trying to think, actually. Mm, no, give me a minute, I'll see if I can come up with something. I, I think a an example that kind of works but kind of doesn't is uh, a film called Primer. Now, I think right. Primer's a great film, but... Yeah. When you first watch it, it is so confusing as to what's going on, and you do, it has it's about time coming. It has a messed up timeline, and I think that they did it well. But that is one way you can really lose the audience, and especially with time travel stuff, where they just don't know what's up and what's down. A, a good immediate res, you know where it's come from and where you're going, mm. so you know it's a flashback, or you know it's flash forward, or you know it's going to be like a one mission set of next one. When, yeah, definitely. It, it's interesting that two examples that you've mentioned there, um, Primer and Slaughterhouse Five, are both kind of time travel stories. And the immediate res is almost part of the whole point of the uh, of the whole structure of the story. It does kind of bounce around in in time. So in in some ways, you almost expect it. Mm. I think there's a there's one thing that I think that Game of Thrones kind of treads the line with. If you've seen the Game of Thrones series. It opens with a scene of three rangers being killed uh, by some some others. Mm. But then that isn't referenced again for a long time. And I think that, for the long-term viewer, that pays off. But for the more casual viewer, that kind of like, what the hell, who is that people? And you get to these characters that just die, and then you don't come back to any point. And that can be a sort of a, a sticking point for some authors and some readers, certainly when they feel that what they've just read bears no relation to what they're reading now. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I think there are some great examples of immediate res done well. Um, well, I would I would certainly mention um, Saving Private Ryan as a fantastic example of, yep. of great immediate res. Um, you're you're right bang slap in the middle of the action, but at the same time you've got loads of nice little character bits going on all the way around you. So by the time you hit the beach, which is probably only about a minute into the film, you already know something about some of the characters. And that whole action sequence works as a character bit as well as an amazing piece of um of war movie action. Yeah, yeah, I think there's So another great example I think here is is Kill Bill. If you uh, recall Kill Bill Volume One, it opens with the the bride killing one of her list, and then jumps back to her killing the person before, and does a little explanation around what's going on. But it's a great example of an amazing opening scene, setting a the tone for the film, but also grabbing the audience. Mm. And that's something that Tarantino's always done very well. Actually, is that that kind of weird. Um, kind of juggling of a timeline mm. um, so a lot of what he does actually does start sort of in media res um, I mean cer- certainly both both the Kill Bill films are great at that but um, st- uh, stuff like Pulp Fiction as well is you know that pre-title sequence with um, with Tim Roth and Amanda not Amanda Palmer um, 
Amanda Plummer. Yeah. In the, <laughs> Amanda Plummer. Yeah. Uh, in the, sorry. Of you. Uh, yeah, that that amazing pre-type sequence with uh, Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer in the in the cafe is 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 a great little um, way of, of of sort of showing what the movie's going to be about mm. in a neat little package. I think that that's so that, that's one of the, the big sort of uses of the immediate set of that tone. One that I love from from books is from a series called Red Mars, which right. is probably huge about 10 15 years ago and it, the stanley robinson movie. yes and it, i don't think it's, it's popular now but if you've got the time it's worth checking out and that literally opens with the assassination of one of the major characters wow and then you jump back to see how he got to that point um and i, I offhand i can't remember if the in media is a whole scene or literally a lot a line of i was here when he was killed mm. and then you jump back but that's a great example in literature and novels of how instantly one sentence grabs you. Because that, that, much like a lot of sci-fi, those are big books. Mm. And you're reading a long time to get that payoff. But from that early grab, almost that early tease of a bit of story, you will stick through the longer one, the longer novels to get to there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, as I say, in the areas, can go well and badly and it becomes a point especially with things like James Bond where it can always become spoofed by its own nature yeah absolutely you, you want it to work in a way that's kind of naturalistic and not overly forced mm. I would say um, I mean the, 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 another great example would be uh, All You Need Is Kill which is the book that inspired uh, Edge of Tomorrow mm. um, and that opens with almost the first battle and him dying and then it isn't in media res because he then jumps back to the same story but at the same time it is in media res because it opens with an action scene so that's a great example of how it can be almost twisted on its head you think you're reading one thing but you're actually reading something else entirely yeah absolutely and again um it's another kind of time travel thing where where that whole sort of twisty turny kind of backwards structure is is part of what makes the whole story work so well. I mean, yeah, all you need is kill Edge of Tomorrow is is really one of those things that was all about the constant repetition of, you know, it's, it's like a science fiction Groundhog Day mm. in, to a certain extent. But we've got all sorts of examples from all through literary history. I mean, Rob's already mentioned the Iliad, um, that Mahabharata um, also uses it. Um, Sinbad the Sailor uses it, that, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a it's a classic, classic technique that really does help your story to start off with a bang. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think it's a great technique. My only word of warning with all these things is if you've got to be careful with using these kind of what I call tricks in mm. your writing style, that too many of them and you will lose your audience. If you overly complicate your structure or your timeline, all that sort of thing, you can really ludicrous that doesn't say that matters I think like Prime is a great example where they don't really care if the casual viewer doesn't like it The Wire is another great example uh, the yeah, inf- infamous for saying fuck the casual viewer and that jumps you right into the middle of stories and you have to ca- play catch up yeah absolutely I mean yeah The Wire is absolutely famous for having so many people recommend it by saying you need to give it at least three episodes because you're not going to understand what's going on initially but 
absolutely right. The Wire is a fantastic example of in media res because you just get no background at all. You are just flung into this world and it's sink or swim. Yeah. But do you understand that if you want to go down that route, that's a fine route. You probably aren't going to get Big Bang Theory numbers because the 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 the, the, the mainstream populist thing isn't going to abide by those changes in structure. That isn't to say you want that or you don't want that, but understand where you're playing and how many tricks you can drop into your narrative to meet those ends, if that makes sense. Absolutely right. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that Emir is a great tool, but Rob, as always, what's mm-hmm. been inspiring you this week? Well, actually, the thing that I want to inspire, to mention in our inspiration portion of the podcast um, hasn't actually been screened as yet. It's one that I've been looking forward to massively, and it will be out by the time this podcast comes out. So I'm going to throw forward, if you like, to it. And, um, no, you're sitting behind the curtain. <laughs> um, I'm throwing forward to um, Paul Abbott's new series, um, uh, no offence, which starts in about twenty-five minutes oh. as we record it. It's it's from one of the greatest TV writers of the last twenty years. Full stop. You know, British American doesn't matter. The guy is an amazing writer. He wrote Shameless, uh, Clocking Off, stuff like that, and he's doing um, a police drama. First time I've ever seen him do anything that sort of genre, so I'm enormously looking forward to it. It's got some great actors in it, and I know that I'm going to take away an awful lot from it. You know, it it's an example of um, looking at a really good writer stretching his bounds. So it'll be out by the time you, 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 you're listening to this listenership, so it's well worth it. Interesting fun fact. When I used to work in the media industry, I used to make tea for them. They used to Did edit. You really? They used to edit when I used to. When my very first job was a runner at a company right. called St Anne's, and they used to edit there, and I made them tea. Good lord! Were they nice people? They were lovely people. Lovely oh, people. how marvellous! Uh, my inspiration, my inspiration from the weeds is a little bit out of left field. Um, those who well, know me know that my passions are things like cult films, the obscure, the horror, the schlocky. Um, I, I run. Uh, I used to run a, a web series talking about these obscure films. So my inspirational thing this week is the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Oh, good grief! Explain yourself. I watched this film last night mm-hmm. um, because it's been sitting to watch and watch pile for ages. My wife, my wife and I, we didn't want anything hard going. We didn't think serious. We just threw us on, and it's really well written and really well acted. It's. I really wasn't expecting it. It's far grittier, I suppose, and almost kitchen sink dramery than I was expecting. I was thinking it was going to be, you know, all funny Brits on holiday. And it's really not. There's a lot about loneliness in old age and overcoming prejudice and writing long term roles and coming to peace with the, the errors of your life. And it was surprisingly deep. Wow. And the, the phrase I'd use is surprising. I mean, the, Dev Patel, who pays the sort of the, the local Indian guy, at times strays into caricature, I will grant you. But mm-hmm. the acting talent of the of the Brits there is outstanding. You've got Judy Dench, you've got Maggie Smith, you've got Bill Nighy. The It's a hell of a cast in that. It's a hell of a cast, and it's worth watching 
It, like, I really never thought I'd be saying these words, um, but it really is worth checking out. If you're looking to be able to write 3D characters, because you've got all these people who are all retired, they're all gone to India, so there's a chance they could all be a bit stereotypical, they'll all be a bit um, samey, but all of them have characterizations, and all of them you get in media res of opening their little snapshots that they open that just defines everything in their it's It's very well done. And once again, not a thing I thought I'd be recommending on this podcast, but worth checking <laughs> Not a out. thing I thought you'd be recommending on this podcast either, but okay, I'll have to give that a go. Yeah, it, it was the phrase I would say is surprising. Both my wife and I about an hour in, like, this is not the film I thought it was. Um, <laughs> and it's good. It's it's very good. And, you know, the, the, I think the acting talent and the writing shines through. It is based on a novel. Um, and I am tempted to go and hunt that down now and see if it lives up to the film. Cool. Sounds good. I'll have to give that a go myself then. Uh, so then that's it for us for another week, guys. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, keep writing. Indeed. Um, you can follow us both on Twitter. Um, I'm at Conojito, C-O-N-O-J-I-T-O. And I'm at Versebooks. If you've got any questions, queries, or anything you wanted to talk about that you don't think we are talking about, please know. And also, if you think we're wrong... If you think that America has a terrible film, or if you're wrong about anything, please come and tell us. T- tell us on Twitter. We'd love to get into this with you. Um, we Absolutely. Have, we have enjoy a good fight. So. We do. And also, you know, I'm happy. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong. Change my mind, please. <laughs> Absolutely right. Okay, we'll see you guys um, in a couple of weeks. Keep see Write Up is a production of Verse Publishing. Please check us out on Twitter at Verse Books and Facebook as Verse Publishing. See you next week!